Hello and welcome back to There's a Hack for That. This week, Erica and I interview Dr. Stephen DeWitt. He is a sexologist, speaker, and coach, and we dive into how to live a sexually empowered life. Stephen gets vulnerable right from the start, sharing how he came into this work and why he loves working specifically with women to find their sexual empowerment. Honestly, I could say so much more about this episode, but you're probably going to want to take some notes. He gives some amazing, real tangible checklists and clues and ways that you can identify your sexual blueprint and the things that no longer serve you. He has five points and a ton of resources. Make sure to check out the show notes for those resources, the books he mentions, as well as the sex menu that is available on his website. And don't forget to check out his podcast. You will find all of the links to those things in the show notes. If this interview after you listen to it stays on your mind or you finish listening to it and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to send this to so-and-so, do it. Sharing is caring. Don't forget. That's how podcasts really spread the love. So rate and review, share this episode and get ready for a really cool conversation about empowered sexuality. Here's our interview with Dr. Stephen DeWitt. Hi, Erica. Oh, hi. <laughs> and hi, hi Stephen, Dr. DeWitt. Welcome to Thank the podcast. You. Welcome, Thank welcome. You. Oh my gosh. I fully have gone like deep dive into your social media and I am so excited for our listeners to listen to this conversation. Erica and I have been anticipating this. Yeah. And mom and dad, I don't know if you still regularly listen, but this is probably an episode not to listen to because I'm going to get... I'm prepared to just, we're going to talk about stuff. So mom, skip this Hi, one. Mom. Okay. I've been, yeah. I've been singing, been singing, <laughs> let's talk about sex, baby. All morning. <laughs> All morning. I've known those lyrics since like third grade. Don't tell my mom. Okay. <laughs> so Steven, you are a sexologist and I think a lot of people make assumptions about what the heck that is. So why don't you kick us off by telling us your story. How did you get come into this line of work and what are you doing right now? Sure, with I'm happy, happy to share that. First of all, it's a really great question because my mom still asks me what I do and my dad doesn't want to know the answer. Because people have this, <laughs> this idea of sexology. They're like, did you make that up? Like, how does that actually work? So I'm happy to share uh, my story, but I have a question for you ladies. Do you want me to give you the PG version, the like the top level high academic business stuff? Or do you want to know about like my personal transformation in my journey? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Personal <laughs> transformation for sure. And all of it. Okay. So first I'll give you the PG version and then I'll I'll meld in kind of my personal version. So I actually went to school and I did a master's of public health with a specialization in human sexuality. Then I did my clinical placement at the Hassle-Free Clinic in Toronto, which is Canada's largest anonymous HIV testing site. And that's really where I cut my teeth in accepting everybody who walked through the door, however they chose to sexually express themselves. And then I went back and did my doctorate. So I finished that in 2010. And then I've been building the business and building the brand ever since. And my commitment is that all people live a sexually empowered life and they have relationships that work. And that informs everything that I do. And now in, in my life, I, I work with women and specifically empowering women to design, discover, and create 
the sex life that they've always wanted. So that's the nice sound bit bite that I'll tell people in an elevator of what I do. Ooh, what if we want to go back with me a little bit? So I moved to Toronto in, I was 26 years old and it was 2004. And I quit my corporate job and I moved to Toronto with no job, no money and no place to live. So clearly my parents were very, very happy with, with Stephen making that choice in his life. But I really wanted to figure out who I was as a man and then be able to create the life and the lifestyle that I wanted. So when I was moving to Toronto, I, I made a promise to myself. I said, Stephen, this isn't about sex. This isn't about women. This isn't about relationships. You need to focus on yourself, focus on building your business and go from there. About three months after I landed in Toronto, I was dating Miss Toronto. So clearly my plan of like separating myself and not getting caught up in, in this didn't quite work. But I, I would joke with my mom and be like, hey, mom, I'm dating Miss Toronto. So that makes me Mr. Toronto. Mom's like, no, Stephen, it doesn't quite work that way. So I was like, okay. <laughs> Anyways, I was hoping, right? So I was dating Miss Toronto and I was raised to love, honor, and respect women. That's, that's how I've been raised uh, by my parents and my family. And I've always held women in a very high regard. And yet three months into that relationship with Miss Toronto at the time, I cheated on her. Now, I didn't have sex with anybody, but I'm a big exhibitionist. And so I was bartending at the time. I bartended for 12 and a half years all through my schooling. And I had met this woman. She gave me her number. I went back to her place afterwards. And I remember I was in the taxi cab going back to her place. And in my mind, and I'm sober, I don't drink or anything. I'm thinking, I'm going to cheat on my girlfriend. So I go to this woman's house. Now she had been drinking and, you know, so for me, that's not a safe place to have sex. Like I need people like stone cold sober um, before anything sexual is going to take place. But she still was, you know, interested. So I was like, okay, again, I'm an exhibitionist, took off my clothes, masturbated, orgasm, cleaned up, put my clothes back on, gave her a hug and left. But that was in clear contravention of the unwritten rules of monogamy that I had with my girlfriend at the time. And so again, I was thinking from her place, it was before Ubers, this is how long ago it was, a cab back from her, her place to my place, I was like, what, the, what did I just do? Like, I just, you know, hurt and, and violated this, this, this understanding that I had with someone that I love. And my girlfriend at the time, she was away for the weekend, she came back and I made you know, it was never a part of the plan to, to mislead her or to lie. So, you know, the next time I saw her, I told her what I did. And I fully expected, Lauren, that, I, you know, we were going to break up, that she was going to be like, see you later, loser, bye. And that was it. But she said, no, she said, Stephen, I, I still love you. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, I can, I can do this. She's like, I still want to date you. So we kept dating. But I really wanted to know why I did what I did. Because again, it just went against everything that I was raised, everything that I believed up to that point. And I told her, I was like, listen, let's talk to your friends about it. Let's talk to a therapist about it. Let's, let's go talk to your pastor about it. Like, I don't care. Like, I, I want to understand what this, this is all about. And she was like, no. 
she loved the like the fun, the outgoing, the gregarious like part of who I was as a man. She loved that. I'd go to the clubs. I love to dance. We're like just like living that life. She wanted that, and she didn't want to to deal with like the darker side of who I was as a partner. So Erica, like it was, I think three months after that incident, and you know it, it was just I was so like so struggling inside of of this place and. And what happened is she ended up breaking up with me. And in her life, she was taking a lot of risks. She was moving out for the first time. She was starting her own business and she was going to therapy for some stuff that happened in her past. And she said, Stephen, I'm, I'm extending myself so much in life that if you violate my trust again, I don't think I'll be able to like pick up all the pieces and, and, and be able to move forward. So she broke up with me and, and that led me into what I call my deep, dark, and dangerous days. And so I was in severe depression for about 18 months, like not getting out of bed. I was, at that time, I was managing a nightclub. Um, for those of you who are the older uh, generation of nightclub, I, there was a nightclub called This Is London. <laughs> and I was only open on Saturdays. And I was managing that. So I'd get out of bed to go to work on Saturdays. And I'd get out of bed on Wednesdays. I'd go in to do admin. But I was in such a bad place. And I was trying to figure out, you know, again, why I did what I did. Because it felt, I remember at the time, it felt like I actually had physically like punched someone that I loved. And so there was a lot of guilt. There was a lot of shame. There was a lot of self-hatred. There's a lot of self-punishment. And I tried to figure out like how to get out of this place, like how to, how to be okay or how to heal or how to make peace with this. And, and just nothing was working. So it finally came down to a point and it was New Year's and I was back in Vancouver and I had all these parties to go to, but I was having dinner with my mom and my dad. My sister was somewhere else. And my parents knew that I was struggling. They, they, they knew what had happened. I'm sitting and there's this beautiful round table in my parents' kitchen. And my mom's sitting to my left. My dad's sitting to my right. And I start bawling. And then my mom starts crying. And then my dad, who's the more, you know, stoic Catholic Dutch, is like, what, what, what is going on here? What's happening here? And I was just <laughs> so, I had reached that breaking point. And so that night I didn't go to any kind of parties or anything else like that. I ended up going to church out of all things. I went to church. So I grew up Catholic, went to church. And the next day I did a yoga class and I started thinking of like, Hey, I need help. Like I need to get out of this place that I'm at and I can't do it myself. And I had this idea that, you know, no man's an Island except Stephen DeWitt because I was smart enough or strong enough or whatever. Clearly, that wasn't working for me. And it was on the plane ride from Vancouver back to Toronto that I said, okay, I'm going to reach out for help. I'm going to get help. So I landed and I started looking at, at support and what that could look like. And I worked with a, a therapist or an amazing woman by the name of Barbara Power and a life coach by the name of Dr. Tom Preston. And those are the two people that I dedicated uh, my book to. And I'm still in contact with those two people now because they really held my hand and walked me through the darkness. And for me, the, the big learnings that came for me was, you know, there was this part that was, was taught to love, honor and respect women. And then there was this other part that was like, 
had this voracious sexual appetite that wanted to explore and have multiple partners and wanted to explore kink and wanted to explore consensual power exchange and all this other kind of stuff. But how I was raised was this was good, right? To love, honor, and respect women. And then this other part was bad. It's wrong. It's something to be ashamed of. And so the first part of the work that I did was actually integrating those and being like, these things aren't good, bad, right, or wrong. They're two important, healthy parts of who I am. How do I actually have them work together? The second- That's so powerful, that integration part. Yeah. Like this whole story yeah. is like, I mean, and you are quite the storyteller, sir. But like, that's the part that I was like, oh, I know he's going to get to the integration because that's so powerful in your in your social media. Like, that's what I- was attracted mm. to in your mm -hmm. message was that you understand not only as a man, but as a human, that that is an important piece. And women don't often get that messaging, even in, in the, when they seek help in that arena. So anyway, continue. Yeah. I just wanted to, to give a shout out to that very specific Yeah, And, and thing. it's something I'm quite cognizant about is when, how I present and how I show up on social media or events that I'm hosting or when I'm speaking or online courses, it's like, I need to actually walk the talk. It's not a like a, you know, if you look back even further into my social media, there was a, a part of myself that was very like, hello, Dr. Stephen DeWitt. And I have more letters after my name that I do before my name. And this is my book. And this is where I went to school. And these are the awards and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm just like, I got to a point where I was like, nah, like people want like a real human being, someone who has gone through this and explored the the, the, the kind of the boundaries and the different realms of their own journey, not just because I went to school and got a bunch of degrees. So that is something that I'm, you know, aware of. So thank you for, for saying that, Lauren. Going back, so the first one was like, there's these two parts, they're neither good nor bad, you know, and, and just integrate them. The second part was understanding the, the socio-sexual script that I had been given as a straight cisgendered man, white man on this planet of how to access sex and how to access relationships. And for me, it was all BS because I could say all the right things. I could do all the right things. I could go on the dates. I can like dance. I could do all this other kind of stuff. And women would be attracted to that, but it wasn't aligned with what I actually wanted to have in my life. It was just like this game that people play. And I was like, that's just gross because what happens at the end of it is people get upset. People get hurt. People aren't like finding the same thing that, that they want. So I was like, okay, F this, I'm going to throw out this script. But then I was like in this place of like, well, what the heck, what the heck do I do now? Like, how do I operate in the world in, in so far as relationships and sex and women and, and this side of things? So then I went back and, and did more work and, and established what I call my sexual core values. And so they are the honesty, respect, and safety, what I call the triad of trust. And so often when I talk to people, they're like, oh yeah, Stephen, I'm honest with my partner. We respect boundaries and we always wear condoms. And I'm like, great. But like, that's not what I'm talking about. First, I need to- I want to yeah, yeah, interrupt go, go, you go. for a second because something's coming up for me. And I don't know, Erica, if, if anything's coming up for you already. I feel like we're just going to work our way through this story and get all of sure, the questions yeah. answered. I'm down, I'm down. <laughs> Something came up for me when you mentioned your your quote unquote cheating experience that the way you describe it, it sounds like it was a trauma. Oh, yeah. It ended up like you expressing yourself in that moment authentically because I, you know, I mean, you did that consciously and sober and all of these things. 
but it still ended up traumatizing you because it went against your scripts. And I have, I can't, I probably could count if I wanted to, but like, I have an, I have enough of those experiences for myself that like that connected with me where I was like, oh, me trying to explore something without talking about it and just like doing it kind of impulsively. Mm. I've cheated on many partners in a similar Mm -hmm. fashion that just really spoke to me that you took it as an opportunity to dive in and and try to understand why it was traumatic even though you were actually behaving in an authentic way i've done some of that work too but like hearing it from you hearing it from a man who did that and then the relationship continued because i also have had that experience it's really refreshing and also validating. Mm. Like even the work that I've done, that hearing your story still validated me and the fact that it can be authentic but still mm-hmm. traumatizing. But it's traumatizing because mm-hmm. of the scripts and the beliefs. Go ahead, Erica. Well, and then on the other side of that, so I've never cheated on a partner in like the traditional sense of it. However, my like little T trauma or whatever was not having the language or the communication or just, you know, never having these conversations growing up of like, what's quote unquote, okay in a relationship or what's not. So my like crossing the boundaries would be more of like an emotional side of things, like having a partner, Mm -hmm. but then having other men I was talking to and getting like different kind of emotional support from them, but like kind of feeling like I was doing something wrong, but I wasn't able to go talk to my partner about it because this was like in my Mm twenties and I was just, you know, the communication just wasn't there. So if I look back, I'm like, oh, I've never had a like, quote unquote, big experience like that, or I've never cheated on a partner, but something that gets in the way of like, when I meet someone new now is just leaning into the fact that it's like, okay, I can have, you know, we can have our agreements in this container. And if I have like other men who are friends and like, you know, I'm not being intimate with them or or going on dates with them, but it's like, I go to like, I go to them for certain forms of comfort. I'm navigating the world of like, like, I guess the agreements within a relationship and then like how that can kind of dissolve and like, you can co-create whatever yeah. you want. But in the past, a lot of the times I felt so much guilt and shame of like, oh, I shouldn't be talking to this other guy or he's giving me attention. Like to me, that was like, I'm bad because, you know, which if I just talked to my partner, maybe it wouldn't have been a big deal or maybe it would have, but that's, that's what came up for me is like, I've never had that big experience, but I still have all these like this guilt and shame around like, am I doing this wrong? I- am mm-hmm. I bad? Those kinds of things. Well, I think also our, what I'm hearing is from, well, what I'm getting right now in this point in the story is our sexuality and expression of it is so much larger than the relationships that you're in. Like it doesn't just exist in these relationships regardless of the genders of the people i have a lot of very intimate platonic relationships and i'm learning how to express my sexuality platonically too while also having a spouse anyway this is also interesting you can you can continue your story i just wanted to insert like we're we're following along and like it's we're feeling things at the same time and please do um because i can talk for a long time but to your (laughs) point i think one of the things that I believe is the, the most important sexual relationship is the one that you'll have with yourself. And when you have that, it's not owned by one person or two people or three people in your lifetime, independent or at the same time. 
And it's something that, you know, I really encourage people to, to build a healthy relationship with sex rather than try and focus on their sex life, try and focus on that thing with their partner. What you were speaking to, Erica, is like the, what in the realm of relationship anarchy or designer relationships, where as long as there is conversation, as long as there is understanding and communication with your primary partner or partners, you can talk about, and I think it's important and healthy to have other people in your life to be able to support you, that you can go to and share, that you can go to invent, that you can go to and laugh with. That I, I think we've seen that having that one person and relying on that one person for our entire lives and the entirety of who we are as human beings can has to be held by that one person and vice versa. That model's broken. And that, that's not to say that it doesn't work for many, many different people, but you know, the divorce and separation rate is anywhere between, you know, 40 to 60% looking at, you know, different demographics and, uh, and timelines, you know, that I think people are looking at more and more of like, hey, how do I be true and honest with myself? How do I create that space to have that honest communication with my partner or my partners? So then they can step into that as well and be like, hey, this is you, you actually want this? Well, I, I like that too, or I want that too, and start shedding the the expectations that we get on that relationship escalator. That's just like this one step, and we just keep going, and we kept going. You know, we're dating, then we have sex, then we move in together, then we get a pet, then we get married, then we have kids, and then we just do this thing because that's the only thing that we've been taught. And then five years later, we're at the right. top of the escalator looking at the other person be like, how the F did I get here? I don't even like you anymore. So that's what I hear yeah. in your sharing. Well, and also you had mentioned the scripts that we learn. And I think that's that's where I am in my journey. I'm erasing and rewriting the script. I'm reading the book, The Ethical yes! Slut right now. And it's, I'm only 40 pages in, but it's like blowing my mind. And I don't know if I'm meant for Polly at any point, but just being able to look at what we can learn from all the different ways that you can do relationships yeah. and, and, ex and experience your sexuality. It's just helping me question like all the traditionalism that I have of like, cause my parents have been married for 46 years. They met when they were like three and six years old. Like there's lots of fairy tales in my family. And I've always held that expectations of like, I'm going to meet someone. We're going to get married, have babies and walk into the sunset. And here I am at 35, like single and like, fuck, what <laughs> is happening? Where did I go wrong? What happened? But yeah. And like in dating now, I very much am like not willing to, you know, I try to use my intuition of like, okay, because I want to co-create something. I want to like, like you said, des what a designer yeah, relationship. Like, yeah. I love that. It's like, yeah, I want to design something that feels good. And there's a lot of evidence and people in my life, like that relationships I can look to who are doing this. Like Lauren is someone that has inspired me around this. So yeah, like what, what are some of those scripts that kind of confine our worldview into like, oh, this is how things have to yeah, be. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, talking to a lot of women that I work with, there is... Oh man, there's a ton of stuff wrapped into it. One is like just being deserving of life nurturing experiences and only being able to access that in a particular way. So being deserving of love, being deserving of acceptance, being able to have a family, 
being able to have a space to like learn and grow and evolve, a place to be secure in a relationship has all been tied into having a single partner. And so I think that's, that's one of them. The other thing is, um, you know, that there's going to be, you know, we touched on this, that there's that one person and that one person has to be our everything. And I think that's a lot to ask. And again, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, it was very different. But I think people are now more and more stepping into the autonomy and the power of who they are, and especially women, especially women, which is exciting about me around their sexuality. Like the, the rates of divorce that are instigated by women are much higher than men. The rates of women cheating on their partner is higher than men because women are, are, are being like, hey, I can have a voice. I can advocate for myself. I don't have to tolerate this anymore. I think another script that, and I do a lot of work around this with women, is a lot of women are stuck in what's called the, the performance paradigm. So sex is a performance. They um, have sex that to was me. please their partner. <laughs> like, I don't know, ladies, have you ever faked an orgasm or faked like it was really good sex? Or maybe you're in that position and you're like, it's not comfortable, but you think it. you look sexy. So that's the way you want to do it, right? Like you get stuck in this because sex has been for a lot of women, something that you do to please a partner, something that you do to keep a partner, something that you do when your partner wants it rather than going from a place of performative sex to pleasurable sex. And there was a woman that I was talking to. She reached out to me and I did some work with her and she came back to me and we were talking in our DMs and she's like, she's 35 years old. She's like, oh my God, Stephen, I'm so excited. And I was like, oh my God, tell me, tell me all the things. And she says, I'm now having sex because I want to have sex. And it was at like, I was super excited, but super heartbroken that it took 35 years for this woman to get to that place of like, oh, I'm having sex because it actually feels good. And this is what I actually like. And I can share and I can set really healthy boundaries for myself. And I can, you know, explore the things and I can have my pleasure be a priority rather than an afterthought, even if it is a thought. So those are a lot of the you know, we could go on forever and people have very unique independent scripts, depending on how they were raised, where they were raised, their religion, their age, their culture, like all these scripts are there. A lot of the, the empowerment that I do is have people to be able to shed what I call the standards, the ideals, the norms and expectations, and then step into actually who they are. So in the absence of all this stuff that I thought I had to do to be a good girl, a good woman, a good wife, a good girlfriend, a good mom, a good, all this other kind of stuff. And then, you know, you're in life being like, I'm not happy or that didn't work out for me or whatever. Who am I in absence of all of that? And that's where things get so juicy and like so excited. And, you know, the program that I have is it's called uh, Sex Life Unleashed Academy. And I use the word unleashed really purposefully because you guys, I'm not sure if you guys have dogs or you're like walking and there's like a dog that's on a leash that wants to get out. It's at the dog park and it wants to play. And then you let it off the leash and it's like, Ooh, it's like gone. Bye. Right. Right. Like that's, <laughs> that's the experience when people can, can shed all the shackles that have held them back. 
what they're able to produce, not only in their sex lives, but in the rest of their lives. You know, because when you take on your sex life, it being one of the most sacred, private, personal parts, often suppressed parts for a lot of women, you can step into that and, and take ownership of that and have some confidence in that area and own who you are and understand yourself as the source of great sex. The ripple effects in your relationships that aren't sexual, your business, your career, your family, your friends, there's a massive ripple effect that that people have. And, it, and it's super totally. exciting. That's why I love doing what I do. It's so interesting. Your words, I hear this in Erica's language all the time. A lot of these coaches that are stepping into their power based on their experiences are creating this culture of permission giving. Mm-hmm. I mean, my life has been totally transformed by all the little pieces of permission Erica has empowered me with. I talk, I literally just talk about how she's my favorite influencer all over the <laughs> internet. But that's what really what you're doing. You're giving women permission to explore their definitions of these things and even create the definition. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions I sent you in advance was, what's your definition of sexuality? But Honestly, it really matters just what in each individual person's definition of it, because it's such a huge part of our cultural conversation right now. And it's disgusting, especially in the U.S., how politicized sexuality Mm -hmm. has become Mm -hmm. and how it's become something to be controlled or economically benefit different, you know, whatever. But it sounds like you're really just empowering people to come up with their own definition and whatever that is, is right for them. A hundred percent. Early on in my career, I thought people wanted to talk to me and I was like going to give them the answers because I was the expert. And there was a shift that took place for me in, in, and this is how I approach everything is like, Lauren, I'm not an expert in your sex life. You're an expert in your sex life. Erica, I'm not an expert in your sex life. You. So you are the expert in your own sex life. And one of the things that you said, Lauren, you said you give women permission. And I'm very sensitive to that because um, what I do is I create a space for a safe space for women to come in and I, and I lead them on a journey. There's kind of four steps that I, that I go through because, and I know where you're coming from is a good place, but I also have to. Yeah. Like you're empowering them to give themselves permission. Really? Because like myself, like, like, I don't know. Let me ask you, do you need another man mansplaining your sex life to you? Probably fuck no, no. right? So I'm really sensitive <laughs> about that because people like, you know, they look at me, if they don't know me, I'm like this big dude with a shaved head and like, unless they see my social media and I'm dressed up and dancing around and having a good time. But that's, that's part of what I do is I put myself out there and I don't take myself seriously and I push those limits. So then people could be like, oh shit, if Steven's doing that, I can, I can step into that as well. And, and it, again, it's empowering how I, you know, see the people that I work with is I see them for the greatness that they are. Like I can see steps ahead of where they're at and where the direction that they can go. And that for me is the joy of what I do when they can see that for themselves that I, I've seen beforehand. It's, there's nothing better than that. So I'm going to go ahead and take this opportunity to plug your program that you're enrolling because I mean, I signed up for your, for your email list. Like I'm already in this journey for myself and it started, gosh, 10 years ago when I got divorced 
and now I'm remarried and it's a very big part. Like the conversation is just a really important part of, of my relationship now. And it's just such a fulfilling conversation to just have flowing through our lives. But something that you really reiterate in your socials is these different elements of having a satisfactory sex life. And these these kind of like overarching themes or ideas that kind of drive it home for everybody and everyone gets to determine what that means for mm-hmm. them. But like the the structure that you have in the way that you're promoting your your program is really it, it calls people out. And I know that's something Erica really is like connected with, like the idea of like provoking people and calling them out and making them like you had that would you rather question about the people's sex lives on your social yeah. media. But it like really ask a question and make people think about it like huh is that me does that you know oh what how how do they know so what are the important elements that you like to talk about in having a satisfactory sex life yeah <laughs> this could be really long but I'm gonna give you I know that's a really big question <laughs> and I'll, I'll share with you I, I created the the sexual freedom system and I wrote a book in 2014 called the sexual freedom system winning the inner game of sex because that's where it all comes from. And there's, there's four main components or elements that, that I believe are necessary. So, you know, over the last decade of having a private practice and working with hundreds of people and traveling and, you know, that world of things is, so the first part is developing awareness. Most people walk around sexually unconscious. They don't know why they like what they like. They don't know why they don't like what they like. Sex is something that you have when you have a partner, when you're on vacation, when you're drunk, when you're celebrating something or a combination of the above, right? And, you know, this is gross. This is hot. This is exciting. This is disgusting. This gets me hard. This gets me wet. This is lustful. This is disgustful. It's just just how we operate in the world. And... I think it's important for people to have an awareness of how they were created. And so this first part that I go into is identifying your sexual blueprint. So what were the formative instances in your life that shaped who you are today? Because, you know, when we were born, we were born with two fears, the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. Everything else has been taught to us. And so that's the first part is that awareness of, okay, this is my sexual blueprint. So we do that work. And then we be able to identify what are the things that no longer serve you. Listen, there's a tons of stuff that does serve you, lessons, great experiences, all that other kind of stuff that make you the amazing person that you are today. But there are some things that aren't. And there's still an impact now in your life at 30, 35, 25, whatever, however old you are, but, but happened when you were nine years old or 13 years old. And that nine-year-old or 13-year-old is still driving the bus of your life. And you're wondering, why don't I have the sex? Why don't I have the connections? Why don't I have the relationship that I actually want? And so we're able to look at those things that no longer serve you, deconstruct those, and then substitute really healthy like ways of thinking, believing, and then acting in your actual life right now. So that's the first part, awareness. The second part is love. And that's really building your sexual self-esteem. So loving and accepting yourself for who you are right now. You know, there's, you know, I'll talk to a woman for 10 minutes and I can tell you, I can hear not only in what she says, but what's in the background of informing, like what's in the unsaid, like so much that's there, guilt and shame and fear, 
how she feels about her body, how she feels about the number of partners she's had, whether it's too much or too little, whether she's in a sexual relationship right now, whether it's good, whether it's satisfying, whether it's, you know, there's, there's so much that's loaded into what it is to be a human being and fully sexually self-expressed. And so just really working on that piece. And, and inside of that, that's, you know, there's a lot of like meditation, mindfulness and manifestation as well in that piece. And then the next piece is power. And this is where, you know, I work with people in developing what I call their sexual responsibility and not responsibility. People hear that and they're like, F off, Stephen. I don't, I got enough stuff on my plate. I don't want any of that. But I look at responsibility in two ways. Number one is the ability to respond. If we just take those two root words and so really empowering people to like whatever shows up in your sex life, to be able to deal with it powerfully, to not get triggered, to not get hooked, to not get like wrapped up in the, the scandals and the significance and the stories of it all, because, you know, that's kind of how we've been trained to think about sex, unless we're being called a sex goddess or a sex god. And, you know, God forbid that there's something challenging that is being brought up. We get triggered and we get all over the place. So really developing the ability to respond to anything that shows up in your sex life, but also to start knowing yourself as the source of great sex. So there's a lot of people and a lot of women who look externally like I want to find great sex with a partner. Like it could be your spouse or it could be the hot barista at Starbucks or whoever. But like great, great sex is over there. I mean, when I find that right partner, I'm going to have great sex. And, and this is for me, it's, it's a mindset shifter. Rather than trying to find great sex, what if you brought great sex to a relationship? Like you know yourself as the source of great sex and being able to do that. And that goes into like all the work that, you know, we're doing about empowerment, about conversations, about communication, about, you know, shifting your sexual identity, about the, of, of the manifestation of who you are as a, as a free sexual being. And then the last phase is, is expression. And that's one of the, the most fun, which is, you know, your authentic sexual self. So you've done the work, you have the awareness, you have the love and acceptance, you have the power and the responsibility. And now you actually get out in the world. And that's really where there's lots of exercises and techniques and models to actually go out in the world and be like, hey, this is the the version 2.0 or 14.0 or 95.0 of who I am. And people start, it's so fascinating when people are at this level because their partner or their friends or, you know, their lovers or whatever start being like, there's something, something's different. Like Toto, we ain't in Kansas anymore because you're showing up <laughs> as a different, as a different human being. What I call the four pillars of the sexual freedom system. That's so important to like line it out like that. I know for me, I like to have a list. I like to know the steps, yeah. but I, something that came up for me is like hearing that. Cause I, ha I feel like I have done a lot of that work on my own. I'm so glad that there's people like you specifically you, I'm so glad that you exist and have this language for women. And I'll just say it because I know it's true. This is not just for single people. Yeah, no, no, no. This is for anybody. Yeah. Some of us, like me, by design, I learn best and I have become empowered in myself through relationships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no one way to do this work. And as someone who has healed a lot of my own sexual trauma, you don't have to have sexual trauma in like the traditional ways to want to do this yeah. work. 
it, it does bring up trauma if you've had that. And that's a different kind of work when you're resolving sexual trauma. I don't know that I'm sure you come across that in your clientele. A hundred percent. There's, there's no way that I could work with women without being in a trauma informed process. It's heartbreaking, but it, it's just the truth. Like that comes out in many, many different forms. I don't think there's a client that I've ever worked with that hasn't dealt with sexual harassment, sexual abuse, sexual assault in some way, in some shape, in some form in their life. That's just a reality as of being a woman in today's day and age. So that comes up a lot in the work that we do. But one of the things that, that I, I really love um, in, inside of the work that I do, I bring women together in what I call community circle events. So it's women coming together as women have come together in circles for thousands of years to be able to share stories, to be able to hear themselves echoed and their experience validated with other women, to be able to celebrate, to be able to laugh, to be able to cry in these circles. And it's such, uh, I started it last year, it was called NSNS, so Navigating Sex and Sexuality. And this is where myself as, as a man, and as an expert and as a sexologist, I take a back seat and I just facilitate the conversation and let the conversation organically start showing up. So because community is so important because there's a lot of people because of the of the shame that's there, they operate in silos. They think that they're the only person. There's something the number of women reach out that say, Stephen, I think I'm broken. My, my pussy doesn't work. I can't orgasm. Like I can't do this. Like it, it is, again, it's heartbreaking. And, and I, there's just too many to mention, but when you get women together in, in these circles and I can take a step back and just hold the space for it and have women support women and women share, like there's like a, a sisterhood and like a richness that is available that I couldn't provide as a, you know, as a, well, you're doing my program and you're in the Sex Life Unleashed Academy and I'm Dr. Steve DeWitt. You should listen to me. No. Oh yeah. Groups of women are just literal magic. hundred <laughs> percent. You just can't cultivate that no. or like in organic. And I'm privileged to be like on the sideline of that and to, you know, to be part of that space because, you know, when you can hear yourself echoed and have your experience heard and validated by other women who have walked that path and maybe are ahead of you in that journey or maybe you could share with someone else who's some steps behind you in that journey but know that you know there there are steps and it, it does get better and you have that support it's 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 magic yeah and i think a big piece that or i'd be curious to know if this happens somewhat often where i know for me in the past I wouldn't even claim that I had sexual trauma because for a long time, I truly believed that all my experiences of, you know, having sex with a partner that wasn't pleasurable, but like it was my fault because I didn't speak up or, um, you know, I'd never been quote unquote, you know, sorry, trigger warning, but like I'd never been raped, but I for sure have had sex when I didn't want to. But it's like, I had this belief that it's like, well, I can't claim that anything was wrong because I should have done this or I should have done things differently. So I know when I was able to make the switch through therapy and like I've worked with tons of coaches, especially like one of my coaches, she does somatics yep. in this work. And so it was like, 
using sexuality as the doorway to heal everything. And so even to this day, it's like when I practice speaking up in bed, it helps me better speak up on the internet or to friends or to my parents or whatever. So I guess like, does that come up a lot where people have to even just face that? It's like, oh, maybe I did have this thing happen that even though I feel like it's I'm responsible for it, that it's like, it's okay to call it trauma or, or just see that there's something to heal there. Does that like, where does that? Yeah. Show there, up? It, it's interesting. So people, you know, join and they're like, Oh, Steven, this is what I want to get. I want to have these outcomes and these are the things and this sex and this partnership or, you know, with my partner, I want blah, 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 A, B, and C. And I'm like, cool, that's great. Let's, you know, let's, I'm happy to support you and fulfill, fulfilling upon that. But then there's all the stuff that shows up in the between that they had no idea that's been in their blind spot that they haven't been able to give voice to because they have felt shame around that or they just didn't have the awareness around that. That was just something that happened. And and the impact and the weight of that is just that's the albatross that they've been walking around just unaware. And so that happens that happens quite often. And then once you see that thing, then you're able to be like, oh, I, I can actually do the work and then set it down. And I don't actually have that showing up again. You know, again, you know, we just get in that pattern. It just shows up again and again. You're like wondering why that thing keeps happening again and again and again. It's because we're carrying this thing with us. So, yeah, absolutely. It, it, all the time that comes up. Yeah. This conversation is so epic i i want to be respectful of our time so i'm going to ask if you have any besides working with you and you have your program it's currently enrolling correct um actually we're uh, done enrollment so next okay in june okay so if you're here when you're hearing this um if you're curious and you're interested in working with steven you'll have an opportunity in june and absolutely, we'll talk about how to connect with you. But you mentioned your book. Do you have any other favorite resources that maybe when people are curious about getting into this work or waiting for your next enrollment to open that you kind of point them to where they can start getting curious about healing their relationship with sex? A hundred percent. And I have a hack for that. So Excellent. one of the most, I want to give a gift to the listeners. One of the most powerful tools that I have is something called the sex menu. Have you, have you guys heard of a sex menu? You read a sex menu? Nope. Okay. So it's uh, very similar to a menu that you'd have at a restaurant. Okay. Because I think there's a, a real lack of number one awareness. And again, that's that first step is developing your, your own sexual self-awareness. And so I've created something called a sex menu. And what it is, it's a list of 130 different ways that you can connect sexually with a partner. Okay. And then in one column, it says experience. Now, if you're filling this out by yourself, you can be like, yeah, done that, done that, not done that, whatever, fill that in. Now, if you're filling it in with a partner or you're going to exchange with a partner, you can have agreement like, hey, do we want to fill this? Do I want to know what you've done or not done? Whatever you can have that agreement with your partner. The next is like openness and willingness to try. So zero is hails to the no. And five is like, I wanted that last night. Right. And then the next <laughs> column is R, G, or B. So receiving, giving, or both. And then there's notes and nuances. And it's organized in levels of spiciness. So this is a tool where people can start 
understanding themselves sexually. Start building that awareness of like, oh yeah, these are the things that turn me on. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is what, you know, maybe in the notes and nuances, like only on special occasions or for birthdays or when I have short hair or whatever there is for you. And if you have a partner or in the future, if you have a partner, you can get your partner to fill out their sex menu and then you can get together and you can be like, let's just go down the list together or you can swap and you can have this really rich conversation with your partner about like, oh, I didn't know. And listen, I've had people do this. They've been married for 25 years and now they're doing this. They're like, oh, shit, I didn't know you didn't like that. Yeah, I don't like that either. Why have we been doing this? For 25 years, <laughs> literally, literally, literally. There was a guy, he was like married for 25 years. His wife would give him blowjobs. He didn't like blowjobs. His wife didn't like giving him blowjobs, but they did it for 25 years. I'm just doing <laughs> sex menu and they're like, yeah, we don't like that shit. I'm like, stop doing it. You don't have to do anything you don't want. So oh my it's, it's, a, it's a hack <laughs> to build yourself sexual self-awareness. It's a hack to start facilitating those conversations with your partners. So people can go to... Uh, sexlifeunleashed.com slash menu and you can download it there and you click on that other resources i have a podcast myself called the sex life unleashed podcast and i'm uh, going into season two where i'm going to be interviewing all sorts of amazing women in my world there's all the amazing women that i work with and that i support but there's also my colleagues from around the globe from you know professional doms to sex advocates to sex workers to you know just just amazing women and having them share what they've experienced in their lives both personally and professionally what actually happens when you transform the relationship that you have with sex and then what that makes available you know you know in your life and in the world so those would be some some resources that are there as well and you can follow me on, uh, uh, on Instagram at Dr. DeWitt and yeah. see all the fun. Lots of fun. Dancing and chaos and, and enjoyment that I have there. I just, I'm really here for the costumes, honestly. Yeah. Like, I, I wish, I wish my costume box was as, as like, I call it my, my, my varietal as yours. <laughs> so yes, go, I will put links to all of these things in the show notes. I am absolutely checking out that sex menu and, you know. It's, I'm just so excited for everyone to start exploring this for themselves. And to close out, I'm going to ask you the question we ask all of our guests. It does not have to have anything to do with what we talked about today, but what is your current favorite life hack? So this is, I was, I was thinking <laughs> about that. I'm like, what, what is, what is my current favorite life hack? I don't, I don't know if, Anyways, I don't fall fall into the category of life hack, but I'll, I'll share what came up for you. For me, excuse me. I'm going to share what came up for you. No, I'm not going to. So I recently went through the, the launch for the Sex Life Unleashed Academy, and it was an exceptionally stressful time. And my partner and I are, are living together. We're living in a different country right now. And, and there was a lot of tension, conflict, stress inside of our relationship as I went through this process. And, you know, the thing that has been really helpful for us and, and what we implemented in a way that we haven't before is because we both know that we love each other and we're in love with each other. 
and we still, you know, drive each other crazy at times. And this was one of those times. And what we did is we both took time separately. And we looked at three things. What did we do well? What did we do poorly? And what can we do better next time? And we looked through it through the lens of, <clears throat> like myself, Stephen, and then my partner, and then us together. And then what we did is we came back and we had a conversation when, you know, the emotions had dissipated. We weren't, you know, pissed off at each other. And we had a really healthy conversation and came from a place of, listen, we both love each other. And there was tension and there was conflict and all these other kind of things. So what can we do in the future to eliminate that or reduce that? And then what we did is we created a living document just in like on our iPhones in notes of, of things again. And we have that things that worked well, things that didn't work well. And what are we going to put in place next time? And put in place next time could be easy as conversations, setting really good expectations, getting more sleep, having designated alone time, you know, all these different things. But for me, as I continue on my journey with my life partner, who I love, it was just one of those things. I was like, shit, I wish I did that. Or I wish I did that like 10 years ago. Or I had that ability to be like, hey, if I just take the emotion out, separate it, look at it through these three lenses and then have it documented in some way. So the next time we go, we know we're going through a, a stressful situation or I'm launching again in June, we can sit down, we can have a conversation based on that document. And, you know, 90% of, you know, what we dealt with, we won't be dealing with again in the future. So that's something that, that has been exciting for me. Beautiful. That's so beautiful. I love that for both of you. And what a great suggestion that anybody could try if you have the, you know, if you have the balls to try it and have hard conversations. Yeah. My husband and I call them rumbles. We have yeah. our rumbles together or separately, but we always find a way to like reconnect, talk about it and find that kind of neutral around what happened. And then they always come up and like, remember that last one? We learned this about it. That's beautiful. Good for you guys. Yeah, it, it's shifting from having destructive conflict to constructive conflict. And so that's something that I, you know, again, do a lot of work around. And because conflict comes up, if you're in a relationship, heck, if you're in a relationship with yourself, sometimes I'm an asshole to myself, it's going to come up. But especially if you have <laughs> someone else in your life, you know, it's going to come up. So what are, what are really healthy ways we can have constructive conflict? Awesome. Excellent. Excellent favorite life hack. Well, thank you so, 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 so much for being here. This conversation was so enlightening. Listeners, make sure to check out all the resources in the show notes. Connect with Stephen. You will be entertained and you will learn something. And make sure to rate and review. Leave us comments on the posts about this episode. And remember to stay curious. Disclaimer. This podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. 
To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.